This is the best, most fun I have ever, ever, ever had on a podcast. This is a hit. I'm Jesse Cole, your host of Business Done Differently, where we get to meet successful people who look at business differently and we get to know them in a different way. Every step is a blessing. And you know every step is magic, whether or not you're you're leading the path or going back. Um, and there's a lot of people that don't have that opportunity. So just revel in it, even if it hurts. Revel in that next step. And, and you know, I, I that brought tears to my eyes, and I, I, that was more meaningful to me than walking across the finish line. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I learn best when I'm flat on my face, mm-hmm. and sometimes it's, it's those times. Excited to have Tom Schaub here, the author of Podcast Guest Profits, Grow Your Business with a Targeted Interview Strategy, the founder of Interview Valet, which is a concierge-level booking service for podcasts. And Tom's one of the most connected people I know I've ever met. I Literally, everyone I talk to knows Tom. And you've been over how many podcasts now? Uh, it's over a 1,000. Uh, it's probably up around 1,100 now. That's amazing, and we're going to try to make this one of the most unique podcasts you've ever been on. So I know we're up for the challenge, and Tom, excited yes. to have you. <laughs> Excellent. So as Whose Line Is It Anyway says, uh, the points are made up and the rules don't matter. So I will talk about points throughout the show. They don't matter at all, and there's really no rules. <laughs> and today, well, I can give myself bonus points, right? As many bonus points as possible. And all right. To, and today we're adding on today's word of the show is shenanigans. So the more you use the word shenanigans, the more points you get. Perfect. Let's get on with the shenanigans. <laughs> That's There's 10 points right there. We're going to open it up with gratitude attitude. Thank you. And I'm so intrigued by gratitude. And I want to know what you're grateful for today. But I want you to say it like you are completely shocked and surprised. I can do that. Wow, I can't believe the people that I know, right? Uh, here I am, a guy in Kalamazoo, Michigan, and I am connected to all of these people. You know, they say the richness of your life is the richness of your relationships. I am the richest guy in the world. You know, the one person I don't know is Warren Buffett and that poor, poor SOB. You know, he doesn't have nearly the richness of the connections I have. But, uh, you know, if he keeps up his shenanigans, he might get there on uh, 1100 podcast too. Outstanding. 20 bonus points there. You know, story time. Story. I think everyone has a story. I briefly mentioned you. That was great, by the way, Tom. I've never seen so much acting there. Uh, in regards to story time, everyone has a story. You know, what's your story? What's brought you here? Uh, my, my story is that my grandfather gave me the worst business advice I ever heard. This wasn't just bad advice. If I had taken this advice... It would have destroyed my life and destroyed my business. I was 17 years old. Uh, I was sharing a beer with him before I went off in the Navy. I think he probably thought it was my first beer. But he told me to choose who you drink with because you can't choose who you work with. Now, for him, it was true, right? He was a mechanic in a small town, different time. But if I had taken that advice, I wouldn't have had all the fun, all the shenanigans I've had in my life here. Uh, it's so great that now with technology, we get to connect with the people that we that we like, our ideal customers, and that's what's got me here. You know, um, I'm 52 years old, and I used to joke around that when I retired, uh, if I just retired, I'd drive my wife crazy. So me and a buddy decided that retirement for us was going to be doing fun things with interesting people and writing it off all as a business expense. So I consider myself 
retired now. Oh, outstanding. I love it. And you brought up your wife, and I brought a new category, a new show, a uh, segment to the show called Love and Marriage. Love and marriage, love and marriage. So you and Karen work together, and I've received numerous e awesome emails from the both of you guys throughout this whole process. As someone who I also work with my wife, I want to know how you've been able to make it successful working together with Karen. We've worked together uh, at times. It hasn't been good and other times it has. Um, you know, there's that whole thing of do you want an employee or a bride? <laughs> if you've got to choose one, you can always get a new employee, but you can't get a new bride. So uh, there are times uh, where you've just said, hey, um, we're not talking employer, employee, partners, any, and more. It's just a bride. And in our first business, she used to report directly to me, and that actually caused some um, uh, some conflict. So right now, uh, she reports to Diane Elkins, who's our director of operations, and not directly to me. So uh, it works out a whole lot better there, but I love it. I get to spend time with her, uh, and honestly, we can – we can probably write off any dinner that we have as a business expense because I, I don't care. It could be our anniversary dinner. There'll be something that comes up about business in there. And uh, so now I can write that off and uh, just annotate it as business shenanigans and the IRS will give that to me, right? <laughs> well, I, I think you're starting to see a lot more couples that are working together. And, and my question to you, are you able to turn off? Because the reality is Emily and I were constantly talking about it. And a lot of times like, can we turn off? How do you turn off? And do you advise that? Or what have, what have you seen? Um, I, I think that's such a, uh, such a, a false thing of work-life balance, yeah. right? You don't segment your life. It all goes together. I think you have to put some um, some boundaries up that your work supports your life. It's not that your life supports your work. So there are times where it's like, um, I'll tell her in the morning, hey, I'm, I'm finishing tonight at, uh, I'll be done at six. And so I know at six that I'll turn my computer off and go there because especially we're both working uh, from home. So it's really easy just to let that creep. It's it's not like we can you know close the computer and drive home. Uh, so I think putting boundaries on there like that. And then the other thing too is um, you know there's a reason for a Sabbath, uh, both from work, from other things, uh, a digital Sabbath, all the rest of that. You cannot be going both of you in a business nonstop seven days a week without something um, something getting lost in there. And once again, you know, um, you do not want to keep your business and lose uh, your marriage, your health, your happiness, all the rest of that. So uh, just re we've always tried to remember that our business supports our life. No, that's outstanding. And you can tell that you guys care. And I think that's that's one of the great things about couples, marriages working together because they care so much about each other and they also care so much about the business. And you bring that together. It's hard to get people that care as much as your bride, your groom together in that. So awesome to see. Yeah. And we also bring different um, strengths. Yeah. You know, um, on the disc profile, we're probably opposites on there. Um, and so with that, I can bounce ideas off of her and she can say, well, this is what it sounds like. And so together we come up with a much better product. Awesome. Outstanding. Now I want to move on to excited and scared. I'm finding out with everyone I talk to, there's usually something they're really excited about and then something that they may be scared about at the same time, or maybe they're the same things. What's that for you right now? Oh, it's got to be the same thing, the future, right? I am more excited about the future than I ever have been, 
right? Uh, Dan Miller from 48 Days of the Work You Love. I love how he talks about it. You know, I think Dan is, I think he's 70. And he says that you should double your impact every 10 years, right? Because you've got all of this experience to 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 build upon. And, you know, the technology that we have now, it's like there's no better time to be alive, to be a business owner. So I'm super excited about that, but I'm also scared because I realize that the limiting factor uh, to my business and my life is the guy I see when I shave in the morning. Mm -hmm. And um, a lot of times it's the self-limiting beliefs that are holding me back. Uh, So, um, you know, once again, uh, just sort of uh, with my bride sharing that as, hey, I am scared about this. And, you know, once you uh, once you let the mo- monster out and it sees the light of day, it doesn't look nearly as scary. No, I love that. And Dan's an amazing person. Came to a Savannah Bananas game this past year and he's actually right. He wrote the foreword to my book and uh, another great person that's such a giver and a connector. And it's amazing as you see in this world, so many people are connected and they're all the people that are giving back and helping people. And we need more of that. And that's what really makes people move forward. So love that you're connected with Dan. And you talked about something there about your limiting beliefs that are holding you back. So that's actually going to lead in to our next segment, Truth and Dare. Just do it! And if you heard that appropriately, it's not truth or dare, it's truth and dare. So (laughs) which one would you like to start with? Uh, We'll start with truth. Okay, so you touched about your limiting beliefs, and that's holding you back. I want you to dive into that. Like, what limiting beliefs, what happens that holds you back? Because I think a lot of our listeners have the same exact thing. And really, uh, it was a gentleman by the name of Bix Bixon out of Canada, uh, Bixon2.com. He nailed it on me so much. He said, most people in companies don't have a future. They have an extension of the past. Right. So we look back and say, well, I've never done that. So how could I do that? Or, um, you know, I've done this so I can do, you know, 10 percent more or something like that. Well, how could I do that? Because I've never done it. So I think always looking at the future and trying to say, well, does the past support that? Well, the past never supports the future if it's great. Right. The first time uh, anybody ever does anything, they call it a miracle. Because they're the ones that create a future. You know, the first person to fly, um, you know, that was a miracle. And now you and I do it and we sleep through it, right? So it's, it's just normal now. So to me, that's that's the biggest self-limiting belief is that if I haven't done it in the past, I can't do it in the future. Um, and, you know, no, you're no. always growing – I'll always, if I'm, there's no better person to do it uh, based on my past. You know, and that's awesome. I think going into, should people, they always look at your past to set up the results for the future. So you're looking at what you did last year to do this year. And it's always on percentages. We could see 10%, 20% growth. Do you think leaders, business owners should not necessarily look so much at what they did past, the last year, but look in a whole different path? Well, I think what you have to do is acknowledge your past and what you bring to it, all the rest of that, but that doesn't define your future. You know, you're supposed to have this vision of your future, of what you want it to be, and then have the conversations and ask the questions in order to draw yourself to that, right? So uh, before you ever started anything, you had this vision of what it should be. Mm-hmm. And in your mind as the business owner or even yourself uh, of what you want your life to look like, and then start asking the questions of like, um, 
what do I need to learn to get there? Um, who can help me? Um, what obstacles am I going to do? But always use it as in the in the future of how am I going to get there? And it's almost like reverse engineering the future 100%. instead of taking uh, instead of taking one step towards it. Start there and start working your way back. Yeah, brilliant. And Gary Vaynerchuk talks always about you know buying the New York Jets and how he's going to get there, and he has to reverse and engineer the next 10, 15, 20 years to get there. So really smart. Mm -hmm. Love it, Tom. Outside. All right, you're not going to get away from the dare. All right, you did an amazing truth, but the dare, and I'm going to give you an opportunity, the first guest to get a, a chance to determine which dare they want to do. You can either do the common dare that everyone else is doing, which is a celebrity impersonation, anyone that you want to do, any celebrity, any, any person, or the first person to do sing in the blank which is a game that we play at our ballparks we play the part of a song and then it stops and you have to finish the chorus either one it's up to you my impersonations are so bad i've got to go with the second sing in the blank so i'm going to play a song when it stops you have to finish the chorus all, all right. right here we go let's see how this Play that funky music, white boy. Outstanding. <laughs> Perfect. And Tom, officially, you're the first person ever to sing on the show. So I'm going to give you 100 points of shenanigans there. That was something special. And I'm going to claim that I am the best singer that you have ever had on your show. <laughs> you I'm are. adding that to my resume. I will. Put that on the top right there. Outstanding. I love it. Beautiful. You have passed Sing in the Blank. You are dominating the show so far. Now I want to get into the meat. You know, podcasting, it is, I don't want to say it's just something that's hot right now. This is something that could be hot for a long time. You talked about, you know, there's the craft beer movement. There's the food trucks. But podcasting is a whole other medium that is just taking off. So in one sentence, why do you love podcasts? Because it connects with people. It gets in on the conversation that's already going on instead of trying to break through the noise, which is just adding to the uh, the noise most of the time. And that's the longest run on sentence you've ever heard. <laughs> it's a great one. The transcriber will love it. No, that's, that's outstanding. And so where do you see podcasts going in the next three years? I know we talked just about future. Where do you see this going? Um, you know, I think the word podcasting it's sort of misleading, right? Okay. Because I asked my uh, my two youngest daughters, what's the pod stand for in podcasting? And they sort of roll their eyes and say, I don't know, Dad. What what does it? They've never seen an iPod, right? Yep. And so really it's more on-demand radio. Okay. Um, so I think it's going to be more that way. So it's going to be people are listening to it on their computer, on their phones. A lot of uh, Sirius XM now is getting picked up as, um, uh, as podcasts. Mm -hmm. And even – some podcasts are getting picked up on terrestrial radio. Uh, about a year and a half ago, I got a call from a couple of buddies down in Tucson, and they said, hey, I didn't realize you were in town. Let's get together for dinner tonight. And I'm like, I called them back and said, what made you think that I was in town? And they're like, well, we heard you on the morning drive here, so we figured you were in the station or something like that. And I'm like, I, I wasn't even sure what it was. And so I, I, I asked and started to piece it together. It was actually a podcast interview that I had done way before wow. that got picked up. So to me, um, I think you ask a lot of people, you know, do you listen to podcasts? Um, and they'll say no. But in essence, they probably already have and just didn't realize it. And so right now, we're, it depends what study you look at. You know, 30, 40 percent of the U.S. population listens to podcasts. And people say, well, when's that going to get to be 100? It never will, right? 
radio, television, and newspaper never got to 100. Mm -hmm. But I think there's always going to be those audio listeners that consume that. And the easier we can make that, um, you know, downloading it to cars and stuff, it's just going to keep taking off. Mm -hmm. Because it's the one medium that you can consume when you want at the speed you want um, and pretty much you don't need your hands or your eyes to do it. You know, Jesse, it's, it's weird talking to you as a podcast host because you sound so much different when I listen to you on a podcast because I run at half X speed but I listen to podcasts at one and a half X speed. <laughs> you um, and me both. You know, uh, when you, the podcasts so sound different to me live. Yeah. So in the next, I mean, it's audio, 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 and everyone's talking about that. We're going audio. It's so interesting to me because it seems like it's almost going backwards. You know, the fact that we got into, it was newspapers, then it was radio, then it was TV. Now it's social media and everything on there. But it seems like the radio, the on-demand shows, the podcasts are picking up steam. And you said it because you can do it at any point. So, you know, my question is, is this going to start Will it take the place of video? I mean, it, you know, where is where is video and audio? Can audio still go strong for three, five years? Do you? I mean, how do you see it? I think so because it's different medium, right? Um, if we're doing a presentation and there's graphs and charts and all the rest of that, that's not going to work on audio. Yeah. But if we're just talking and listening, um, that. You don't need video for it, right? Does somebody really want to look at me the entire time as I answer a question? I mean, if they they could, but to <laughs> me, the power of podcasts and the best podcasts are like sitting down at Denny's and there's two interesting people talking behind you, yeah, right? And it's just this authentic dialogue, yeah, and you're hearing them. And you don't want to leave because you want to hear the end and you're listening to all of it. You can't really jump in on the conversation because it'd be rude. And it, it, you can't turn around and watch them because that would be that that'd probably get you kicked out of Denny's uh, pulling that shenanigans. But <laughs> it's like you want to listen in. It's, I don't know if it's that voyeur thing, uh, but that that's why I think podcasts are so powerful. Yeah. And it's interesting because there's two forms. It's the stories that the serial, you know, took off and it was the story form that really sells and everyone's excited. But there's also the informative business advice. And, you know, I think there's a way to combine those really well. You know, there's a few shows that do that. Y you win. So, like, I, I thought of the idea, too. You know, you do strangers at a bar and you literally, if you can go to a bar, you're sitting there at the bar and there's someone and you have it, so you go tell it, find their story. Every time I go to a bar by myself, which isn't that much, but when I do, I try to talk to the people and their stories are fascinating. I think people would be intrigued on learning that. So maybe it's just such a great way to start telling more stories. And I think it's also very authentic, mm -hmm. right? Because yeah. if we were doing this in a studio, on video, you know, is this take number one or is this take number seven? <laughs> yep. you know, are we reading off of cue cards? Is it edited? Uh, this is about as raw as it gets. I love it. So I'm trying to find out the, the podcasts that stand out. So you've been on over a thousand. What are some of the most memorable ones and the most unique ones that you've been a part of? Besides this one, right? <laughs> yes. This one has to be number one. Um, <laughs> you say that every time. I would have <laughs> no, I don't because most of the time I don't get asked that question. So, you know, I, I don't uh, I don't have to answer it. To me, um, there's been the good and the bad, right? The good is when a podcast host asks me a question that I wasn't expecting and I have to, to think a little bit. Mm -hmm. And um, my wife listens to all my podcasts and uh, – or all my interviews. Yeah. And there are some where she's even caught me where um, – 
I, I, I choke up a little bit. She can hear that I, I, there's tears in my eyes as I'm talking there. Mm-hmm. If somebody asks about, you know, uh, my dad who I lost 16 years ago mm-hmm. and I tell a story about him, yeah. you know, that's, that's the ones that are great. On the flip side of that is the ones that ask the same questions over and over and don't even ask, listen to the answers. Yeah. Um, I think it's, I think it's easy for the host. It's easy for the guest, but it's not very interesting. You know, I think some of them, uh, I, I can think of one in particular. If I would have answered the question, you know, I just killed my wife and her bloody body is at my feet. He would have answered it with, oh, good, and gone on to the next one. It's like you're not even listening. Yeah, it's, the, pre- the-, it's the preparation too. It's the preparation and learning about the guests, knowing what's interested in them and trying to move forward on something that they're passionate about as well. Yeah, the conversation. Yes, 100%. 100%. No, that, that's great. And I'm just trying to figure out, are there other shows from a format that you've seen that's really unique as well? I mean, it seems like what I've noticed, that's why I've kind of repivoted. We're going to get into some more games and some more. But most shows are typical five, six interview questions. They dive into it, and then they finish. And some are better edited. Some are more raw. I mean, have you seen some really unique formats from a business one? To me, it's, is the is the podcast host listening mm-hmm. and asking that follow-up questions? Yep. Because I don't care if you get to all six. If they hit gold on that first one, mm-hmm. let's keep digging into that. Yes. And the other thing, too, is asking those follow-up questions because what's, you know, what's ordinary to me is amazing to other people. Yep. And I think what I've heard a lot of people is they'll answer a question and they'll just throw out a glib answer because they've thought it through so many times in, um, in their uh, – in their mind, um, there's a podcast called Legends and Losers. Yep. And uh, Christopher Lockhead, I love how he slows down a guest. No matter who it is, he will, especially with guys and stuff like that, he'll say, Whoa, slow down, gorgeous. Can we back that up and can you explain that mm-hmm. a little bit more? And I think that's important. Yeah. And that, that keeps people um, uh, knowing what's important. And I think the, the host can do a lot, can help his audience or her audience with that to say, Hey, this was an important important point. Uh, let's dive into this or remember this. Um, uh, so th- those are the ones that I see that really stand out. And to me, more and more, it's it's just dialogue. Yeah, 100%. Uh, it's not it's not just rote questions <laughs> because when you just do rote questions, it's like you get you get talking points. You know the PR talking points and those get old real quick. Yeah, it's the things they're used There's to no passion. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? It's called the why test too. You ask why once, then you ask it again, then you ask it again. And the key is to get to the root. And so, you know, it's interesting. Well, I, I know all these things I'm not going to get to because there's some things I'm going to dive on. But, you know, really it's understand the root of what that person means. You could say, I love my customers more than you love your product. But what do you really mean by that? And you really got to dive into it. So I, I'm with you. I'm with you. I love it. We're going to get into that. I, I do want to do a few more fun segments. This is the business podcast Jeff. Jeopardy. All right. So All basically, right. you got to answer with a question. I'm going to ask you a question about podcasts. You answer with a question. This was the year that the first podcast was launched. Uh, what is 1999? Close. 2003. 2003. Okay. All right. This was the first president to give his weekly address on a podcast. Who is Obama? George Bush. Well, Obama was the first one to do it in a garage All right. with uh, uh, Mark Maron. All, All right. right. All right. You get 50 points for the garage quote. You're good there. <laughs> you mentioned this early. <laughs> this percentage of the U.S. population has listed to a podcast. You've seen two different numbers, but I think you had one of them. 
Uh, yeah. It's, I, I've seen 30 or 40. Yep, nailed it, 40%, um, which again, you don't necessarily know if that number's real, but that's 112 million people. And these are the top three genres of podcasts in order. What are the three top genres of podcasts in order? I would say business, self-help, and maybe news. Uh, we, we don't. Fo- we only focus on business, faith, and Christianity, health, nutrition, and wellness. So yes. outside of that, I'm not sure. No, you're right. It's interesting. Comedy is number one. Education is number two. News is number three. Wow. Really interesting. Com- yeah. Comedy. Okay. Yeah. Never knew that. All right. So business jeopardy, uh, complete shenanigans, but we'll give you another 40 points for that. All right. I want to go into some diet stuff. I, I love that you gave the good effort, uh, Tom. It wasn't uh, wasn't the best success, but you gave a strong effort. So I'll <laughs> give you that. Uh, Deets about the tweet, and where a guest has to explain one of their tweets. I love this. You put this the other day out on Twitter. The goal is not home runs. It's base hits and walks when you can get them. Explain that. Yes. So from that, um, I don't always listen to the big podcasts. Most of the times, I will listen to the shows that our guests are on. Yes. Right? Because it always gets me in front of a different one. And I don't want to listen to shows where I already know what they're going to say. Mm-hmm. Or to say, oh, yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. Yeah. I want to go on ones that I've never heard of, that challenge me, uh, that are new on that. Mm-hmm. With that, a lot of podcast or, or a lot of podcast guests will say, oh, I want to get on a big show. It's like, well, you know, what show do you want to be on? Yeah. Oh, I want to be on NPR, This American Life. Yeah. It's like, well, of course you do. You know, everybody does, but why would they be interested in you? And they think this idea is is that if you can get on the biggest one, you'll get the most from it. Mm-hmm. And that's almost like saying, um, if you want some fish today, well, the Atlantic Ocean is huge. Yeah. Why don't you just go out there? Well, there could be a barrel of fish right there in Savannah. And you could go there, and it could be the ideal barrel of fish there for you. And so most people are going for the grand slam, the home run. I want to go for the big show. Just go for the base hits. You know, there's more fish in the ocean than there are in a barrel, but go for that barrel. Um, you know, the, 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 the team that gets the most base hits will probably get the most runs, too. Uh, the people that are swinging for the fence will get strikeouts. So, so I want to dive into that because everyone wants to be on the cover of the magazine, on the top podcast. They all want that. How do you teach someone to be okay with the base hits and the walks. How do you teach that? It goes back to um, what I said with the bad business advice from my grandfather. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you need to, to choose your customers very carefully, right? So um, you want to go to places that they are. Um, you want to be on the shows where they're listening to, where you're going to break through the noise because they're listening in and on a conversation. And so with that, um, you know, trying to, to show people, um, there's a, a great blog out there. I think it's a thousand true fans. Yep. Kevin uh, Kelly. Yep. It, yeah. It deals more with the music industry, but I think it, it has to do with, um, with any business, right? If you can get a thousand true fans, your business is made. You don't need all of those people. And sometimes I'll even ask them, you know, would you rather have five minutes on, um, on the Super Bowl, or would you rather have, you know, 40 minutes with a thousand uh, in a in a room with a thousand ideal customers? Mm-hmm. And if people say, oh, I'd rather be on the Super Bowl, it's like, 
nobody wants you on the Super Bowl, right? Yeah. You're interrupting the game. They're going to make fun of you. They're going to hate you. You will not get a single customer from that. But if you can sit down with a, a room of a thousand ideal customers, that's nirvana. You know, yeah. They get to know, like, and trust you. So I think um, from that standpoint, it's really talking to them about what they are trying to do. And, uh, and I'll admit, when I first started um, – it was an ego thing. I mean, I was on a podcast. I remember one of my early ones, we were selling a digital product at the time and it was still in beta. I was on this podcast, 40,000 downloads, Jesse. You know, that was like my biggest one to date there. Mm -hmm. And from there, I, I was thrilled to be on the podcast, but you know, I got about two dozen leads and sold about $5,000 $5, worth of product. It was good. Well, shortly after that, I was on another podcast and the hosts apologized that she only got 350 downloads per episode. And I'm like, it's still a great podcast, yeah. right? I, I tell you, from that, I got 150 leads and sold $25,000 worth of product. So that goes back to the, you know, there's more fish in the ocean than there are in a barrel. But man, if you can find that barrel of fish, go for that every time. You know, it's so true because you look, people have you know, 1,000, 2,000 Facebook friends or thousands of followers. But what matters more to them? Those five closest friends that they can go have a beer with, connect with, tell them when things are going on, or it's those 3,000 people that are fake friends. <laughs> so I, right. I, yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. And, and I love another one you went on, and this is uh, comfortably uncomfortable. And you tweeted, nothing great happens in your comfort zone. I love that. I want to know what's something great that's happened to you when you got uncomfortable. Uh, to me, I would say it's the people that I meet. Yeah. Right. Um, I am always amazed at the people that God brings into my life. But, you know, if I've got one critique of the almighty, which you probably shouldn't critique the creator of the universe, <laughs> is that he never walks them through my office in Kalamazoo, Michigan, you know, between me and the television. Right. I've got to go out there and meet them. So every time I go to a conference, I'm like, there's a there's the hassle of the the flying the going there it'd just be easier to stay home but man when i go there and i'm uncomfortable and 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 go up to somebody and talk with them that's when the magic happens you know uh this but, but morning, why, I but was why, up, why is it uncomfortable for you i mean I, I guess that's my question why is it uncomfortable going to that conference and meeting people uh because it it would be easier to not travel. I mean, flying out of Kalamazoo, Michigan is not easy, right? There's not a whole lot of direct flights. Yeah. You drive two hours to, um, uh, you know, to Detroit, get the flight there and stuff like that. It can just be a hassle. And at times just say, well, I'll stay in my office and I'll just, I'll work on this, this stuff, you know, whatever it is, paperwork or whatever, but going out there, um, to a conference you've never been to, to people you haven't met before, talking with them, and all the rest of that, for me, that's pushing my, my comfort zone or even, um, you know, uh, starting to partner, meet people that could have bigger audiences or bigger companies and say, hey, how could we work together? For me, that goes beyond my comfort zone because, you know, um, it's that sort sort of thing is that uh, it's 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 comfortable to be a big fish in the small pond that you've grown up in, you know, uh, but going out to that different pond. That can be scary. Yeah. And to me, it's like that that inertia that says, well, I'm just going to stay where I am. Nothing good has ever happened there. It, it's almost I or wonder if it did it happen in the past. Yeah. I wonder if you can force yourself to like have to do it. So, for instance, you invest in something that's uncomfortable, like I'm going to pay to go to this. If there's an easy hack to get someone over that fear, I'm going to pay to go to this thing no matter what. 
and you're going to do it. It's almost you got to put yourself out there. Have you seen that as something that's maybe worked? I'm trying to think of other practical examples oh. instead of say they could do that. Yeah. Oh, for, for me, that's exactly like that. And okay. my wife and I do this on vacations, right? Uh, how many times have you, have you gotten up to vacation time and things are so busy at work, mm-hmm. things are hectic? If you hadn't prepaid for that vacation, you'd probably cancel it. And to me, it's the same way. Um, I just was speaking at a conference out in, um, in Colorado. And uh, I went a couple days early to meet some people and all the rest of that. Um, if I hadn't had the ticket in hand... I guarantee you, I would have cut a couple of days off that trip. Yeah. You know, there was just too many things going on at home with that. Yeah. And um, a couple of years ago, I started to do things that like intentionally um, scared me. You know, I'm I'm scared to death of snakes. I hate snakes. But to go, you know, to a pet store and, and say, hey, can I pick up that snake? You know, I, I almost was like choking. Wait, you you um, did this? You you you're scared of snakes, and you went to a pet store and picked up a snake? Yes. <laughs> How did how did it go? What what how'd you feel after that? Um, it wasn't nearly as scary yeah. as I thought it was. Uh, you know, my wife was laughing at me the whole time and taking pictures and stuff like that to send to my kids. Uh, but I was I was the guy that when my daughter was two years old, there was a um, uh, a garden snake in upstate New York, and I saw it probably ten feet from her. I grabbed her, took it in the took her in the house. I came out with a twelve gauge shotgun, found that snake, and blew it away. Then a neighbor comes running over and he said, "Um, what happened? And I said, "Uh, there was a snake out there. And he's like, "Uh, that's a garden snake. It's not dangerous. But, uh, hey, firing a gun in city limits in upstate New York doesn't go over really well. So you may want to hide in the house for a little bit. No, I I love that because I think just finding something that's very small of your fear and actually doing it and overcoming it. And I think so many people, it's like, it doesn't have to be their big, big fear. Take something small like snakes and just do that little step. It wasn't like you dropped into a a pit of snakes. You you did that first step. But, and I guess what that I've learned is that when you're uncomfortable, that brings out amazing moments, moments that stand out. When you have that uncomfortable moment, it's that overcoming that, that you achieve something. So, you know, I really want to dive into, maybe there's a tie in here, but some moments that you've had in your life, Tom, that really stand out and how you, how you got there. As far as going beyond the, the comfort zone there or, or, or just, just regular moments, because even I believe the best moments in your life to get there, you had to do something at some point that either challenged you, scared you, you dealt something. I mean, great moments don't just happen. You have to get there. So I'd love to know like some type of moments that really stand out for you. Yeah, for for me, I would say the first memorable one is going off to college. You know, um, I got into the U.S. Naval Academy, and thank you all U.S. taxpayers for paying for my education. (laughs) Um, I was a Midwest kid. I hadn't been farther than probably 180 miles from my house. I was 17 years old. I went there. I had never, never been to the campus before. I had never flown before. Um, uh, you know, I, all I knew is that this sounded like a great opportunity to see the world, do all the rest of that. Um, I was scared to death when I got on that plane. I was even more scared when I landed at uh, BWI. You see, the only airport I had ever seen in my life was Chicago O'Hare. So I thought all airports were like that. When we landed at you know BWI, I thought – are we lost? Did we have mechanical difficulties or something? And, you know, 24 hours later, um, you know, my head was shaved. People were yelling at me. It was the scariest time in my life. And, you know, I remember my dad, uh, the family came to visit, um, like, I think it was at the end of the summer. And before they left, he says, you know, do you really want to be here or do you want to leave? And I said, 
I would love to go home to the comfort of home, but I can't because I've, you know, I've, I've seen what's out there. And, you know, within a year, I'd been around the world. I'd spend a, a year in Australia and every time it was scary, but it was, it was scary in that I knew there was something out there to, to, to discover. Um, and that there was something on the other side of that scariness. And one of the things I've always noticed is that once light hits something, the monster's not nearly as scary. Mm -hmm. Love it. So um, if you want to get through the fear, you know, everybody's got fear. Um, you know, uh, you've got to be an idiot not to have fear. That's the only people that don't. Um, but the best way to get through it is go through it and see what's on the other side. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I think of I think of um, a marathon. I, I uh, met my wife training for a marathon. I've done eight. I think she's up to twenty six. Wow. Uh, but I was fearful. I was scared that I couldn't do it. Um, what would it look like? Um, all the all the pain of the training, uh, the cold weather, all the rest of that. Um, at mile twenty, they talk about you know hitting the wall. Well, at mile twenty, somebody asked how much how much more do we have to go? And when I couldn't do the math in my head of twenty six point two <laughs> minus twenty, I'm like something is really messed up here. And I knew I still had six more miles to go. Right. And so it was, you know, it was scary. But it's like that was a great adventure. You know, the the last six miles were the best part of the race. Yeah. Uh, so from from that standpoint, um, yeah, it's just that's amazing. Every, every, Every one of my life's adventures has, has been pushing through something. And, you know, uh, it's a great story once you get to the other side. Yeah. Well, you said getting to the other side, and you said it leads to discovery. You mentioned that in the, going to the Naval Academy, the, the marathons. What have been those discoveries? Because, you know, I said you have your magic moments. This magic moment. You know, and then you also have your mirror moments. Which I feel like that's the discovery. So, what has been some of those moments that you've uh, re realized in your life? Um, to to me, like the the ones have always come at the verge of exhaustion. Okay. Right, where you're um, you're so so tired. You're you've gotten to the point where in a business that it's like, is this going to work? You know, there's that um, when you start out, there's the youthful exuberance because you don't know what you don't know. And then yep. there's the high and then you, you hit that low. Um, and you learn more at the low point when you're down working the crazy hours. I've never had a cockroach or, uh, on my face while I slept. I, I did hear that uh, your wife uh, found that. Uh, but you know those those moments there. Those are the times where you're like, wow, I can do this. I can. Um, this is going to work because uh, you've seen the worst and you know it's all upside from there. It's the same thing. Uh, I love in a um, in a marathon. Um, if I could just run like mile 20 through mile 23, um, that would be great because most of the time there's not a lot of crowd support at that point. You hit the wall. You're tired. Um, the finish seems like it's so far away. Mm -hmm. But I always, I always find something about myself. Uh, you know, uh, one of the marathons uh, I did, uh, you know, as I was going through a divorce, and realizing that, hey, I can do this. If I can do the marathon, you know, I can make it through this. Uh, and that was my PR time. Also, uh, another time, I, you know, I just, um, I remembered my dad. At mile uh, right between like mile 20 and 23 mm -hmm. uh, when I, I didn't know if I could take another step uh, my dad died of um, 
uh, of, of prostate cancer and it had gone to his spine and he was paralyzed when he died. And um, it just struck me, you know, every step is a blessing. And, you know, every step is magic, whether or not you're you're leaving the path or going back. Um, and there's a lot of people that don't have that opportunity. So just revel in it. Even if it hurts, revel in that next step. And, and you know, I, I, that brought tears to my eyes. And I, that was more meaningful to me than walking across the finish line. Uh, you know, I, I learned best when I'm flat on my face, mm-hmm. and sometimes it's, it's those times. Mm-hmm. It sounds like it's just unbelievable self-awareness, but you got to push yourself to get to those points so you can understand really what matters to you. Would you would you agree with that? Yeah, and it, it, self-awareness is so tough with all of the distractions in this world. Yeah, all the noise. You know, we're all trying to yell over each other, um, and sometimes you've got to do stuff that forces you to be still and listen, uh, because the only person in the world you can change is yourself. It's amazing. Five years ago, I received a phone call from my father, and he said, Jesse, I have prostate cancer. And they found out he also had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And I'll remember those six to nine months, he battled it. I mean, it was the shape of a, a pear. You know, really, the, the tumor was the size of a pear. And every day, my dad said he was great. Every day, my dad said he was doing fine. It was the positivity that he was fortunate to beat it. And I learned more from those six months that he went through it because of seeing how he experienced it. So I, I love, and we've stayed on this for a while, but I think I always want to believe in what people can stand out, how they can drive to be successful. And it's getting to those points of being uncomfortable, of pushing yourself to discovery. People really say on the surface a lot. And, you know, it sounds like an amazing story. So I don't know if there's anything you would add on that, but I think that was that was great, Tom. Even even to the point of being uncomfortable with public speaking. Yeah. You know, some people are like, oh, I, you know, I'm so scared to to talk in in real life, uh, you know, in front of a crowd. Well, get on a podcast. You know, you can talk to somebody one on one. There are different ways that you can do that. You just like you say, the first thing you have to do is not jump in a pit of snakes. Uh, just take a, a little step from the very beginning. I love that. Love that. All right. We're going to go to uh, flip the script. Well, I'm going to give you uh, a minute. And you can actually become the host of the Business Done Differently show, and I'm your guest. And you can ask any question. You have one minute, and I'll, I'll be the guest here, and you are the host. Uh, why did you start this, and what can a guest do uh, to make you look like a rock star? Uh, love it. Great question. I just wrote this the other day. I wrote purpose over passion. And I believe everyone has different passions throughout their day. I was never passionate about a podcast or a show five years ago. I was never passionate about running baseball teams 15 years ago. Passions change, but purpose hasn't. And I've realized that that my purpose is to really go out there and make a difference and inspire people to live the life that they want to live. And I feel so many people go through the motions every single day. They're living the nine to five. They're stuck and they're not getting uncomfortable, not trying new things. So I started this show as a way to be able to bring on great people that have stood out in their life, that have been successful, that have tried new things and share their expertise. And whether that's, you know, being uh, great with customer service in business, being great in culture or just being great in their life. That's why I want to start this. That's why I want to share this. So today my passion is this. And I'm just so excited to have a median, which you have helped develop an interview valet to be something unbelievable. And it's growing that this will be the most exciting part of my day because we are sharing this, which hopefully if it's 10 listeners, 50 listeners or a thousand listeners, doesn't matter that that will make an impact too. So I see you. That's you, awesome. You've played this game before. You've asked that question numerous times. So you, you won that. Um, I didn't even throw a shenanigans in, but it didn't deserve it. That was outstanding. <laughs> Excellent. I just want, I know we're getting to the end here. I, I, I want to dive into just a little bit 
about customer service. I'm so passionate about it. And I love the name of your company, Interview Valet. I love it because I feel like valet is not used in any businesses. It really isn't, but everyone deserves valet service. So, you know, to me, what or to you, what does valet mean to you? Putting the customer first and uh, from the standpoint of what's a valet do in a hotel to increase the experience. You got a problem, we solve it, mm-hmm. right? Um, that's what, you know, that's when people say, well, what do you want to do when you grow up? I, I think that's a stupid question. Hey, I don't want to grow up. But it's the really question is, is like, what problems are you going to solve? Who are you going to serve? And the better you serve people, uh, the more you'll be rewarded for it too. So if you always have that servant's heart as a leader, as a business, anything like that, how can we serve the customer? How can we give them, you know, valet service, white glove service? That's what will stand out. You know, today online, uh, I think it's easier than ever to sell something online, right? All you got to do is be the cheapest one. Yeah. Drop your price a little bit more and, and and you'll sell it. But you'll sell it at a loss, but uh, you'll never make a profit. But the difference is, is that it's never been harder to build a company online, right? And with that, there's only one thing you can do, long-term sustainable, and that's service. And I think, you know, uh, the way that our grandfathers built businesses is this going to be the same way our grandchildren do it? While there'll be new technology, new platforms, uh, new tactics, it's still going to be who do you serve? Um, how do you help them? How do you help problems? And focus on that. Um, and to me, that's that's the that's the secret sauce in any business. Now, I want to unpack that because one thing I always talk about is what's the perfect fan experience, fan customer. We see them the same way. I've worked with you guys just at the beginning here, and it's been outstanding. But what have you put into your secret sauce? What is the perfect experience for someone working with your company? How do you see it? How do you define it? Do you map it out? What can you do that other listeners could learn from? I, I don't define it, right? Because I've got an opinion about my business. I could hire a consultant that has a biz, uh, a, um, mm-hmm. uh, a, an opinion about my business. But the only ones that have the answers are the customers. And they'll tell you every day what they love and what they loathe. What you've got to do is be smart enough to know right answer when told. Do more of the stuff they love and less of the something uh, the, the stuff they loathe. So looking like uh, the easiest way is like on a website, just look at what what pages um, react, what things do. When you get comments back from, from uh, clients, see which ones are positive. Start doing more of that. Uh, like, for example, uh, we used to just send uh, microphones to our clients. Well, that's boring. You can drop ship them from Amazon. Uh, you know, that's no fun. So then we started to add a couple other things to it and, and really did it like a present to them that we were excited to work with them. Mm-hmm. People gave us such great feedback on that. And so it's like, okay, we've got to do more of things like that. So I think some of it is just being open to it and then asking the questions too, right? Uh, there's an uh, 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 Harvard Business Review study called The Only Number You Need to Grow. It's based off of the uh, net promoter score. You know, how likely would you be to recommend uh, Savannah Bananas to mm-hmm. someone you know? And uh, if you keep asking that question, uh, you'll find what people are passionate about. Uh, there's a great book out there, too, called um, Super Consumers mm-hmm. by Eddie uh, Yoon. Um, 
And his his point on that is something that we um, that we focus on is that find your biggest fans and find out why they're your biggest fans and really start doing that. Because at the end of the day, um, you know, every business grows the same way is that you, you grow from your word of mouth you focus you grow from your customer testimonials those things you know when people say this is my brand no that's what you say your brand is your brand is really what your customers talk about and you you can't control that the only thing you can control that with is the experience so i can call my um, myself interview valet but unless our customers start saying oh man that's a white glove service they take care of everything you know they they let me be the guest and they take care of all the rest. That's what's important. So I guess that's, you know, that's not a succinct answer, but that's my, my rant. No, and what I love, you talked about how when you give a gift and that's one of the things you've got great feedback on. It's not just the microphone. There's a gift and it's presented that way. And I talk about this all the way. It's designing the emotion that you want your customers to have. And when, when they get that, anytime you get a gift, surprise, excitement, laughter, shock, fun, usually good emotions, and, and you're designing that. Are there other areas that you're designing anything in your business to create emotion, happiness, excitement? Anything else you're doing on that? Because it seems like that's an amazing example. Um, I think, I think uh, probably the communication and the feedback. So like when I was – I don't listen to a lot of the big podcasts. Every one of the, our clients, when they go on a new podcast or they first start out, I listen to their first couple of podcasts. So you know, uh, there was – Kristen Ivey wrote a great book called Phase Guides for Every Year of Your Child's Life. There were pop podcasts there that I never would have listened to. You know, There was some like adoption podcasts, all the rest of that. But to – intentionally do that and then give her the feedback that we're excited about this, that we're partners in this, uh, you know, uh, in this digital age, um, that personal touch stands out even more and people remember how you make them feel. So with that, making them feel like they're the VIP, you know, they're the guest. We're doing everything we can to support them and coming alongside on that. And, um, you know, sometimes people say, well, is it scalable? I don't know, but it's a, it's effective, yeah. and I would you know have, rather have the thousand raving fans um, than you know a mil, a million likes. Hundred <laughs> percent. Well, and it's fun and it makes you feel good. But and I still just love the valet, and I, I think are there any examples how other companies could use the valet mindset? Like just outside of, of interview valet, how could other companies use this? What you talk about white glove service? Is there another, or have you seen another company that's doing it very well? Um. The problem is, is I think lots of companies are going race to the bottom, right? Mm. That we can we can cut quality, cut value, cut user experience, and um, we'll get more market share. It's this race to the bottom, and I think it's it's just the natural thing with a lot of industries is if we can cut the price we'll keep cutting the price and cutting the value and you know remember when we were in high school with the um, supply and demand curves uh, at that time it was theoretical right because there was like five assumptions the unlimited buyers unlimited sellers uh, easy to go in and out of the market all of those things well guess what the internet made that a reality and what happens with that always is that those two lines will cross where there's zero profit and I think most businesses are trying to be the leader on that race. 
Um, and I think if you look at it from the, the opposite side of how can I always add value? So if you, that's a question that you can always ask. In fact, we just had a, a team meeting this uh, Thursday and said, how could we add even more value to this? How could we make it easier for the guest? Um, how could we make them look like a rock star um, to the podcast host and things like that and to, to make them look like the star? So I think um, often in a business, we we put ourselves in in our position as opposed to the customer's position. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I remember somebody saying, well, business would be easier, easy if it wasn't just for the customers. <laughs> and it's like, you're missing it. If it wasn't for the customers, we wouldn't have a business. Our, our job is to support them and uh, they're our best one. So I think really that, that focus there and, and that white glove. And I think part of it, one of the things we did with our team was taking them out on some events mm-hmm. uh, to show them what white glove service looks like. Where, where'd, you you know, there is, where'd you take them? Where'd you take them? Our leadership team, uh, we did the finest restaurant. Now, granted, it's the finest restaurant in Kalamazoo, but – uh, to say what's the difference between going to to Burger King and going to the chef's table at the Radisson, right? And it's a, it's great food, but it's an experience, right? They're talking to you, they're educating you, um, they're they're showing you how they make it, and the food tastes so much better that way. So it's not just you know, you know here here's a burger in styrofoam, and you know, how much we enjoyed that. And that was, you know, the the best meal we'd had. And when you look at like return on investment, that's a meal that I always remember. I, I can't tell you, you know, um, the, the 99 cent hamburger, uh, probably made me sick. It made me fat. Um, uh, you know, it was the cheapest thing, but it wasn't that experience. So trying to show them, I think a lot of times, uh, a lot of people don't know what concierge level service is or white glove service. That's um, so brilliant, Tom. To open it up. Yeah, that's so brilliant because you said it's not about telling your people how to give service, it's showing them. And think about how many few business owners aren't going to take the time to say, I'm going to take you to the best restaurant experience. I'm going to take you to the best wherever that is. It could be, uh, you know, Top Golf is supposedly a great experience and all these different events. Like, don't just take them there for fun, but take them to show. You know, that's why Disney wins. And, you know, I think every business owner should do that and invest in that so they can feel. It's like, guys, how do you feel about tonight? How do we make our customers feel that every day? That's brilliant. And, and are, you, are you guys going to constantly look at new ideas and new opportunities to do that? Uh, very much so. Yeah. Uh, we've got a uh, uh, podcast movement is in Philadelphia next year. And so one of the things we're trying to do is get our entire team in there because uh, we've got a remote team or a geographically diverse team. Yeah. I, I've realized that not every talented person wants to live in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Uh, so we've got a team of 10 people throughout the United States. And so we're all going to bring them together there in Philadelphia, which is a fun city. Uh, that's brilliant. Now, is, is there one, I just want to finish on this, this valet, which I love. Is there one other customer service experience that you were remember in your life you know you just mentioned that the chef's table has been a great experience but is there another one that stands out and you're like wow and and i and you know what's interesting i ask this question to a lot of people and a lot a lot of them don't have the answer which to me shows a huge opportunity for businesses because people aren't providing enough but is there one that stands out for you because i love learning from those examples to me it's got to be disney right anytime i go to orlando i may not go in the park but I guarantee you, I will find time to just walk around downtown Disney and look at the attention to detail. Look at how people are interacting. Um, uh, you know, nobody's looking at how much did this cost? They, they don't do that till they get home. 
But that experience is just so amazing. And also from the vision of somebody thought this. This is not an extension of the past or uh, of the past. Somebody viewed this, you know, Walt Disney, that was uh, that was all what orange groves and marshes and everything like that. And he visioned that and brought it into reality. And to me, that's just magic. And uh, I I wish it was closer because I I leave there just in awe, so excited about the the future. To me, that's like – uh, that's like an MBA course right there. Yeah. Just spend a day walking around Disney and you can learn so much from that. And, and even the way the, the people interact, it's just, it is the happiest place on earth. And why should, why should any other business be like that? Yeah. Uh, you know, even for the employees, right? No job pays well enough for, to suck. And it even <laughs> looks like all the employees there are having fun. Yeah, I love it. No, it's like, you know, my wife and I, we go, we've been to Disney numerous times in the last few years. And we say, we're going to Disney for research. And they're like, yeah, no, you're going for vacation. I'm like, no, we're going for research. And we're going to have fun while we do it. And it's, it's, the, it's the smells. It's the way the flowers are manicured. It's every single little thing. And yet no one else is doing it to that level. It's just, it's amazing to me. But um, that's why it was great having Lee Cockerell on the show. I mean, he was a part of that. So, uh, Outstanding. All right, we're going to finish up here uh, with the Survivor Challenge. Um, what I say is I'm going to ask Survivor-like questions. If you don't get them right, the show's over right there and then, uh, except we've never ended the show because they're subjective questions, and it's really dependent on me. But i just like to get to know a little bit more about you to finish here. Tom, what's your favorite book or a favorite book you're into right now? It has to be Play Bigger by Christopher Lockhead. Uh, it's all about, um, what is it, how dreamers – uh, pirates and innovators create and dominate markets. To me, that's what it is. And even personally, right? Uh, don't compete with somebody else. Don't try to be the next uh, Jesse Cole because you can't do it, right? Be who you are. And the same thing in your business there too. Love it. Favorite restaurant? Uh, Portillo's in Chicago. I grew up around there. Uh, it's the best Italian beef. I don't know if it counts as a restaurant, but uh, I'd go there over any other place. Outstanding. Favorite gift that you've received? And maybe not, I mean, it could be one from way back or something recently that you were really excited about that gift. Oh, uh, a Cutco knife from John Rulin. <laughs> if you haven't read the book Giftology, yeah. it's amazing. Um, uh, I had met John, actually just met him virtually. And the next thing I know, about a week later, I get this beautiful knife that has the interview ballet logo on it honestly i called him and thanked him that sat in our china cabinet for probably two weeks because my wife said it's too beautiful to use and it's amazing now we use it every day and every time i think of john so that's that's my favorite gift i've ever got outstanding and a great book as well all right this is you, this is a tough question because like naming your favorite kid but what is one of your favorite podcasts that you go back to over and over again <sighs> This is a tough one because I keep I, – I, I've got ADD. Well, I've got AD because I get lost on that second D. Uh, but to me, it's always like a different one um, and I go through series where I'll, I'll listen to one for a while and then I'll go on um, to the next one. Um, and most of the time, it's ones that I wouldn't listen to normally. Right. Um, because like there was a, um, a podcast I listened to that just the other day, Adoption Now. Okay. It was amazing. Yeah. And they were talking about embryo adoption. And the only reason I listened to that is because uh, one of our clients, um, uh, Katie Klein, from the National Registry uh, for Embryos was on there. And it was just like cool. It was like totally different. Like when I listened to Gary Vee, 
it's just you know, I, it, it's a reversion of what I already know, what I always believe in. Um, so I don't learn anything new on it. So, uh, you know, uh, with podcasts, play like podcast roulette. Just listen to one. I guarantee you, you'll learn something. I love it. Last one, the Survivor Challenge, your favorite color? Green. <laughs> Orange. Yellow. Yeah. The third one's a charm. Out of all the guests so far, only one person has said yellow, and they said bright yellow as they were looking at me and doing it. Um, I'll give you that one. The shenanigans, you guessed three three different colors, finally got to yellow. Awesome. We are going to finish with the final four, Tom. These are the four questions finish every show with. What's something you've done differently in your life to stand out? Really starting, starting the conversation. Uh, too many people uh, are just there listening and think, well, what I have to share, everybody knows or doesn't matter. And uh, I'm just looking at the point now. It's like I know something. I can share it. And this, it's so easy to do now. Um, why wouldn't you? No, that's outstanding. What makes someone stand out in business and in life? Being authentic. You know, everybody's favorite color is transparent. And uh, when you try being somebody else or not yourself, it comes through really quick. Um, you know, you, you can try to uh, to copy Jesse, and you may get ninety percent of it right. But you know that ten percent—that's uh, why I didn't do an imitation at the beginning. Um, I couldn't even get ten percent of it right. So, if you want to stand out, be yourself. You know, God God made you great, uh, magnificent. Don't try to change that. Love it. All right. Excellent. Final two. What's the best advice you've ever received? The best advice I ever received, um, had to be when in doubt, just go for it. You know, from the standpoint of, um, there's always that little voice in the back of our heads, um, that says, don't do it. And I had a boss in the Navy, um, and he always said, let's go for it. What's the worst that can happen? Just go for it. And uh, I, I hear G- Gary Duncan's voice in my head uh, often with that. Yeah, that's outstanding. Excellent. And the final question I think everyone should ask themselves, how do you want to be remembered? With people laughing and telling stories. Um, you know, I, I, I want to, uh, to be remembered like my dad was at the funeral and my grandfather was at the funeral. I mean, they were two great men and nobody ever told, were telling stories about how much money they made, but it was the things they did that were memorable, that stood out, um, uh, that they helped somebody. Uh, that's, that's what I want. Um, uh, it really it's, you know, our life is a collection of stories and we get to make decide whether it's the same story over and over and over or if it gets to be a different story and and i want people uh at my wake or my grave graveside telling good stories that's amazing because you talk not about what they would think about you but actually the emotions that they would have you mentioned laughing as the first thing the first person ever to say that i think it's such a brilliant way of looking at it because you're thinking about the other people and it's not about you so brilliant and tom you have won the challenge even though we had some shenanigans earlier you have won this podcast you uh it was absolute pleasure to have you on you know how can people connect to learn more about you you're doing amazing things with interview valet how can they learn more about you 
Uh, yeah, just uh, come to interviewvalet.com. All the stuff is there. Uh, we'll uh, we'll have everything that Jesse and I talked about there, and we'll just make a special page for it. Uh, that uh, just interviewvalet.com forward slash. We'll make it yellow. That's <laughs> something that everybody can do. I'd say shenanigans for the page, but I don't even know if I can spell that. So interviewvalet.com forward slash yellow. Everything Jesse and I talked about will be there. Um, there's some uh, ways to get in touch with me. And uh, if I can be of any service to you, uh, please reach out. Yeah, some great things to learn from Tom. Like I said, one of the best connectors I've ever seen. If you can be someone that stands out, connect other people and help them achieve their goals and their dreams. Tom, you do that. It was a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you, Jesse. Today, we learned even more about how to think differently. Sometimes in life, professional is boring and weird wins. So thanks for listening. And remember, the world needs more people being different. So whatever's normal, do the exact opposite. Be different, stand out, have fun, and enjoy the show. Until next time, stop standing still, start standing out. I did write this one quick tiny game for you that I didn't that I didn't want to go into, but I got to do it right now because this is this is fun. Uh, name yeah. that, it's called name that Tom. So literally, you have to name that famous Tom based on what I say. We're gonna start off easy. This Tom is known for peeping. Peeping Tom. <laughs> one for one. All right, beautiful. This is a famous cartoon featuring a cat and a mouse. Oh, Tom and Jerry. You got to love that. Two for two. This is a tougher one. This actor starred in Mr. Baseball in 1992. I'm going to go with Tom Cruise because I have no other idea. Tom Selleck. Tom Selleck. Ah, Tom Selleck. Yes. All right. This is a hard one. This famous actor starred in Carly Rae Jepsen's music video, I Really, Really, Really Like You. Famous, famous actor. You're asking a guy that's 52 years old about some like modern uh, video. I have no idea. Forrest Gump. I'm going to say Tom. Sh- I'm going to take Tom Schwab. Tom, <laughs> Tom Hanks. Tom okay. Hanks. I went hard on that one. All right. This singer gained fame for these two hits. It's not unusual. And what's up, pussycat? Who is it? Can I ask you to sing that again just to make you do that? Because <laughs> hey, you, uh, you do a great Tom Jones there. Perfect. Nailed it. You sing. I'm going to sing on this. All right. This actor played the character of Brian Flanagan in the movie Cocktail. Oh, Tom Cruise. Yes. See, I was trying to say, all right, I went there. Tom Cruise. This person was the TV host of Hollywood Squares, America's Funniest Home Videos, and occasionally Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Oh, I can picture him. <laughs> His first name is Tom. You got um, it. Nailed it. <laughs> Tom Bergeron. What was it? Tom Bergeron. Okay. All right, final two. This best-selling author wrote The Hunt for Red October, Patriot Games, and Clear and Present Danger. Tom Clancy, the only fiction I read. Nailed it. Last one. This professional athlete graduated from Michigan and was a sixth-round draft pick. Tom Brady. Nailed it. That's pretty good. I think you were like six for eight there. So name that, Tom, the first, only, and last time that will ever be on the show. So great job, Tom. (laughs) 